This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Laffery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Maud Newton, who has written for the New York Times Magazine, Harper's, the New York Times Book Review, and Oxford American. Here we are reading a letter from a listener. Our last question, nice and easy. It's about cat sitting. Nobody's in danger. Relationships aren't about to fall apart. Everyone's okay. It's just a, a, some kind of kind of a problem. It's about cats. It can't be too bad. I mean, I have had some questions about cats that get pretty thorny, so actually I shouldn't say that. But like, this is a nice, we're going to be able to solve this one, you and me, I think. And we're going to be able to, to go out on a win, which, which always feels good. So with your permission, I will read it and then you and I will solve it. Absolutely. The subject is keeping cat company. My friend Amber and I are both in our early 20s and each live with our parents. Once or twice a year, we watch Amber's cat when they're out of town, usually for less than a week. Amber's parents insist on paying us, which makes my parents uncomfortable. My parents want cat-sitting to be a friendly gesture to a family we've known for 10 years, and they feel that being paid inhibits that. They also told me they feel in debt to my friend's parents because her parents have had us, well, usually me, over at their house more often than we've had them over at ours. They feel the payment they insist on giving us furthers that imbalance. I politely brought this up with Amber several months ago, saying it's really generous of them, but we don't want them to pay us the next time we cat sit. We had a polite disagreement, but she was ultimately receptive and told her mom. A few weeks ago, Amber asked if we'd watch the cat. I said we'd be happy to. I reminded her to please tell her parents not to write us a check. When they arrived with the cat, they bought us a store-bought cake. I noticed there was $50 in cash underneath the cake a few minutes after they arrived. As they were about to leave, I tried to express my gratitude while handing the money back to Amber's mom, who said, Amber told me you guys would be mad, but I said you wouldn't say no to me. My mom tried suggesting they watch our dog sometime as a trade. We couldn't get them to take the money back, and it's still sitting on the table. After they left, my parents and I didn't mention it at all. Everyone's in a good mood, but I'm worried about the next time we're asked to cat sit. My parents may decline because they'd rather not deal with the money issue, and I would have to tell Amber we can't cat sit. Another small detail is that they're under the impression that my dad is allergic to all cats, even though we've told him that he doesn't have a reaction to their cat. What should I do? I just felt the strongest bless them energy, which is just like, (laughs) you all sound like lovely people. Um, Do you think that the fact that Amber's parents are under the impression that the letter writer's dad is allergic to cats is a problem? To me, that feels like I I just want to take that off your plate. I don't quite understand whether it's true or not, but who cares, right? Yeah, I 100% let's let go of that part of the worry. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not causing problems, it's not a problem. This falls under the category of Dennis Duffy saying he's allergic to all fish that isn't fried. Weird, but fine. Um, Any thoughts here? Any any shared sense of uh, relationship where someone's always trying to give you money? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. This is just sort of like a group of lovely people who, you know, enjoy getting together occasionally and want their, you know, animal companions to be well taken care of. And yeah, maybe somebody's being a little aggressive with the $50 and the store-bought cake. 
you know, but I, I'm curious to see what practically you will advise because it is a sort of one of those tricky social situations that can grate on someone over time. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I completely agree with you that this is just, this doesn't feel ultimately like a huge problem. Yeah, I don't mean to dismiss anybody's feelings here. I absolutely sure. understand how friendships can be freighted or complicated by a fear that somebody else thinks like, do you think I need the money? Like, do you think I need $50? I, I think that's part of what it is too. Like, I can see how to Amber's parents, it's like, look, you're doing us a favor. We're understanding we're not like paying you like we would if we like hired a cat sitter. But like, we want to throw a couple extra bucks your way just because it's kind of an inconvenience and we appreciate it. And we don't want to feel like we're just taking advantage of you. That's reasonable. I get that. The $50 is a gesture. It's not a demonstration of how much they think your cat sitting skills are worth. <laughs> They don't like think they're, they're not like trying to pay your rent. And I can also understand on the letter writer's parents' side that sense of like, what's, what am I going to do with $50? Like, I have a job. I take care of my kid. Like, I handle my own business. I'm doing this as a favor to you. It's once or twice a year. It's not a big deal. This $50, you know, it, it ruins the pleasure I would otherwise have gotten out of feeling like, oh, I'm doing a favor for a friend. You know, I'm like, putting a good, a low key good deed into the world. And now it's like, I'm doing a $50 errand. Now I don't have that good feeling I wanted. So both totally reasonable positions, neither are awful or, or unfamiliar to me. And I would just say letter writer, one of the reasons this seems unnecessarily complicated is like you and Amber are both like, uh, carrying forth messages on behalf of your parents. Yeah, I would just say, like, one of the easiest ways to let the parents figure this out is the next time Amber asks you, just say, like, oh, you should have your mom call my mom directly. Like, I don't know their schedule. Um, check in with them. That's it. I, I think that's the easiest way. And then if your mom realizes, like, oh, I actually don't want to go back and forth with her, I'm, like, willing to say it, fine. Or if your dad's like, oh, at last it's coming to us directly. I can like make it really clear. I'll do it for free or not at all. Like they can hash it out between them. But let your parents handle this. And you know, you say letter writer, my parents may decline because they'd rather not deal with the money issue. And I would have to tell Amber we can't cat sit. Let your parents tell her parents. And also that would be fine. Like before they started asking your parents to cat sit, they presumably had somebody else. If your parents both died in a car accident tomorrow, God forbid, I'm sorry for saying that, they would find somebody else to cat sit the next time they went out of town. Like, that's not bad at all. Just let them handle it betwixt themselves. And um, then again, your other issue of like, my parents worry that Amber invites me over more often than vice versa. I just think that's kind of fine. Like, if you like going over to Amber's and she likes having you over and it's not completely 50-50, it doesn't have to be a problem if it doesn't bother you. And if it kind of bothers your parents, I would, I think they'll be okay. You know, I just think it's fine. I agree entirely. And I, you know, I'm glad that you tackled that aspect of it because as a Gen Xer, um, you know, I, the whole like parent child sort of entanglement wasn't as common in my generation. You know, we were a little bit more like, you know, trying to get away from our parents as much as possible. So there was less sort of like, I'm the ambassador for my parents and you're the ambassador for your parents kind of thing. So yeah, the second and third letter were both very like kind of 
I, you know, I don't want to make sweeping generalizations about different generations, but I'll just say like, I, I'm not, you know, even before I cut ties with my family of origin, I wasn't particularly close to my aunt, certainly not talking on the phone every week. So I was like, oh, I have no, like, part of me is just like, who fucking cares? It's your aunt. Like, that's no one. <laughs> that's just some lady. But then I was like, right, people have different family configurations. Everyone's not me, just in a different hat. Um, or yeah, this idea of like, I'm managing my parents' cat sitting arrangements. Like, none of this is to say like, be less close to your family, love them less. Of By course. all means, be as right. enmeshed as you want. But, you know, if it's enmeshment past the point of pleasure, be a little less enmeshed. And that doesn't mean, like, move out and only talk to them at Christmas. It just means, like, I'm going to let you all figure this out because this is complicated and you don't need me to help. Like, there's no reason why I, why Amber and I should be having these backs, especially because it then results in Amber's mom being like, all right, all right, let's push the kids out of the way. We all know what's really going on. And it's just like, yeah, that's – sorry, my phone's going off because I'm missing a call from Spam Risk. Hi, Spam Risk. Hey, I'm recording an episode of a podcast. How are you? Just as I thought. Spam Risk doesn't have anything to say. I get so many spam calls, even though I have one of those apps that is supposedly filtering out all my spam calls. Someone do something about these damn spam calls. Yeah, it just, you know, like, it's clearly not working because the parents in question override their, like, messenger's rules. And so I think you should just say, like, this is between y'all and not us. Absolutely. Before I let the rest of you go, I have just two additional thoughts for the letter writer uh, who wrote in a couple weeks ago for the June Thomas episode. The letter was called Rocking the Boat, uh, and it was from someone who'd actually written in a few years previously uh, and and was writing in again uh, with just some sort of ongoing questions about gender fluidity, um, fatness, um, self-acceptance, and the possibility of considering whether or not certain elements of uh, medical or hormonal transition might be in the offing. And I had sort of two additional thoughts that came to me right after June and I finished recording and have really been sitting in my head ever since. So I think I, I took that as a sign that I had a little bit more to, to offer this letter writer. So I just want to address this letter writer once again and say, again, all of this is sort of predicated on the belief that whether or not you choose to pursue any aspects of surgical, hormonal, medical transition is morally neutral. Um, this is simply about the most useful way I think you can think about it that will be maximally freeing and minimally um, unnecessarily painful. You know, I, I think the first is that there's a sense in this letter of any kind of top surgery, possible experimentation with HRT, even just thinking about those possibilities, bringing them up with my doctor, weighing the potential pros and cons, stopping by a, you know, an incent, um, stopping by an informed consent clinic um, would be somehow antithetical to my gender fluidity, that those things belong to the category of static binary transition, which is naturally oppositional to fluidity, creativity, flexibility, changeability. I don't think that that's true. Um, and again, that's not to say like you should go do those things or you must go do those things. I will simply say that I think that people who are gender fluid can do any of the things that somebody who thinks of themselves as 
more straightforwardly trans can do. Um, none of those things are off the table. None of those things will make fluidity more difficult um, or more impossible. They might change what fluidity looks like in practice, and you may or may not decide you want any of those things, but it's not like not trying hormones is the fluid thing to do, and trying hormones is the static um, liquid <laughs> or... or, or um, uh, you know, solid thing to do. So I just really, really want to stress fluidity does not have to mean, and I think should not mean non-transitioning. Um, it is, I think, agnostic on that front and can include any number of, of possible options. And then my second thought is pretty much along the same lines, just replacing fluidity with self-acceptance. You know, letter writer, you say that, um, you know, changing your body would feel like a betrayal, and I really, really understand that what you're saying in that moment is that, you know, you are working with the body that you have right now and you don't want to do anything that would feel counterproductive or antithetical to that work. And I really admire and respect that. But I would also really encourage you not to think of transition as uh, a function of self-loathing. I think that's frankly like the voice of transphobia talking. Um, and it can often sound like this very sort of reasonable, quiet, like, well, accepting your body is better than changing your body. And transition might look like changing your body. And so the better, more feminist and self-loving thing to do is not to transition. And again, you may absolutely decide you don't want to do any of those things. And that would be good and fine and not any sort of problem. Um, but I think if while it is possible, certainly, to pursue different changes or interventions to the bo body in a self-loathing way, it is also true that any and all of those things can be done in an affirming, creative, playful, uh, lovely way. Um, and so just, again, really, really encourage you to maybe look for more people um, who have tried different elements or different aspects of transitioning and see how that has changed and informed their lives I think you will find that it is not like a remarkably static, dry group where everyone just does one thing, changes a switch, and then stops, um, or that it's all a group of people who have successfully hated themselves into transitioning. Um, and again, I don't, I don't think that you believe that about other people. I don't believe that you are like a transphobic person. I think that is a transphobic idea that trips a lot of people up, which is like, if I accept myself... Um, then transitioning would undo it because on some level transitioning means you don't really love yourself and have you just tried loving yourself is conversion therapy. And so I think that that is an idea that has perhaps been um, given to you um, uncritically and that I would encourage you to divest yourself of, not because I think you need to go get yourself some top surgery, um, because I think if you live your life in such a way where you believe that that element of transition would mean you didn't really love yourself, that you weren't really committed to fluidity, that you were locking yourself into something boring, featureless, permanent, um, uncreative, um, that would be a loss and, and that would be um, a sad loss. So I hope that that's useful to you. I wish you all the best. Um, and that's it for me. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. 
If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with a guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.